Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Ron. And I'm Nas. And we're, neck, neck. <laughs> and we're here to talk about Stone Cold. Nope, not Steve Austin. Starring Brian Bosworth, Lance Hendrickson, William Forsyth, Arabella Holtzbog, and Sam McMurray. Released in 1991 on a budget of $25 million by Columbia Pictures. Grossed a little over $9 million at the box office. So now, are either of you, like, y'all are younger than me. Do you remember Bosworth when he was a football star? Do y'all remember him? I do I, not. I remember uh, – I saw the 30 by 30. For okay. I, I don't. I just remember watching – seeing footage of Bo Jackson running him over <laughs> a lot. I think that's his NFL career summed up in like a gif or two is Bo Jackson trucking him a couple times. He was famous at the University of Oklahoma, and he was this big stud linebacker. He actually got suspended for like PEDs and violence and all kinds of other crazy stuff. He played football for a while, but – then tried to become an action star in the 90s and ever really worked. I didn't see that 30 for 30. Did they talk about that in this net? Because I haven't seen that. Um, It's actually, um, I saw it on Netflix, one of my, um, you know, hotel nights for work and I watched it. It was, it was a pretty good documentary. It was actually him kind of lamenting about uh, his college. It's mostly about his college career. They kind of briefly go over the NFL because there's really not much to talk about. And then, yeah him and his son going through all his NFL stuff and essentially him just telling his son, don't ever act like how I used to act. <laughs> At least now, which I tell you the truth. I thought he was a pretty cool ca- uh, character from everything I saw for his college career. I mean, he was a, he was a big personality. I mean, he was almost kind of like a, a WWF superstar in the eighties, just put in the, uh, you know, the college ranks. So I, I, th- I found him entertaining to be the least. So I still don't know how he didn't become a professional wrestler. Like really? Is, is he the guy who sold, who like had a deal where wherever he played, somebody from his camp would be in the parking lot selling like boss sucks t-shirts that he would get the money from. Or do I have him confused with someone else? I, I think you're right. I think, I think there was something about that. Cause he, he had like, Outside of his college, everybody like hated him just because he was so you know grandiose and everything. So I think you're correct there. <laughs> like yeah. It's good. He's a smart businessman, I guess. I was gonna say, man, you create your own heat again. How did this guy not become a professional wrestler? <laughs> God, boy, Vince missed on this one. <laughs> I'm just gonna call it. So well, I was telling you before too, man. It's like him in his younger days, right here, man. He looks a lot like Randy Orton from WWE. <laughs> With a blonde. I mean, mullet. it's it. Yeah, if you put a blonde mullet on him, I mean, the the look is pretty uncanny with the uh, the nose and the chin and the squinty eyes. I hadn't thought about it till you said it, but it it is pretty good. You're right; he, they they do look a little alike. So, yeah, I remember Boz when he played, and and I always thought he was just this beast of a human being, right? And then when he got brought down to size by Bo Jackson, of course, being a big Bo fan, I thought that was funny. And the even funnier part is Bo was like a part time player; like he wasn't even in shape. And he just completely destroyed this guy's career. But um, they even made fun of that, though. That's in like a recent Hyundai commercial or something where Tecmo Bo picks him up. 
or something like that in a car. So it's yeah, it's uh, Bo Jackson driving a Hyundai car down the field, and he he picks up Boss. Yeah, like, please <laughs> don't run over me this together. time. So, yeah, so at least he has a good sense of humor about it. But you know, look, they, I can see why they would want to make this guy an action star. You know, he's got the look and all that stuff. And look at where action films were. I mean, we're talking about in a post. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon World. Actually, both part twos of those series had come out, and Lethal Weapon two more or less is pretty good. Die Hard two's awful. I mean, it's it's, it is. it's it's terrible. It's it's a guilty pleasure if anything, but it's mostly terrible. And so the only thing I remember from that is the guy from the Shawshank Redemption doing like naked yoga <laughs> jujitsu in his hotel room. Yeah, I, I, that's like the only thing I remember about that movie, and it's like an image I cannot get out of my head. No, I, man. It's, it's the dad I, from- I, I've actually thought about going to therapy for that, just to get rid of that image, because even right now, I see him just doing the poses. It's I cannot get rid of it. The it's like dad, a bad car wreck. The dad from Good Times plays a turncoat in it. You have the most interesting man in the world as a drug dealer trying to fly a plane that John McClane lights on fire. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, there's lots of notable people in that, that film. Um, but anyway, we're not reviewing Die Hard 2. Naked Yoga Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah, we're not reviewing that one. We're talking about Stone Cold here. And this is where the action movie scene was at this point. Now, I read an interesting note that I, I pulled up, and I couldn't. I just sort of laughed at this. The original director was fired because of personal problems substance abuse something and boss said that like it erased the backstory of his character and my question to that was what did it even really mattered at this point <laughs> like i don't think they really went for character in this kind of a movie and boss himself got a razzie nomination out of this for a worse new star somehow lost to vanilla ice and cool as ice you know it's debatable as to whether that should be revisited but have, have you seen cool as ice yes i have drop the zero and get with the hero baby so you so you know exactly why Brian Bosworth lost that lost that Razzie. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, man. cool as ice. I I own the Blu-ray Criterion edition of that movie. So, <laughs> oh, I felt another review somewhere in our future. But let, you know, again, you think back to this era of action. This is the same year that like Point Break came out, which is an awesome movie and still works to this day. Even though the tech's a little limited in it, the story's good. It works. It's three years before Speed changed the game again, but. This is what action movies were sort of devolving into at this point. I think Arnold had even gotten out of doing them on a regular basis by this round. This is before T2 and all that stuff. So, um, Well, actually, it's funny you bring that up because I was just, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like movies like Red Heat and kind of those, uh, those late Arnold movies kind of, you know, between the Cameron <laughs> films where it was just kind of, <laughs> you know, stupid action, Steven Seagal-like. You know, it's it's funny you name drop Steven Seagal because the original director who had to drop out of this, Brian Malmuth, Bruce Malmuth, excuse me, I was looking at Brian Bosworth's name, uh, is the guy who directed the Steven Seagal classic and a future uh, podcast episode, Hard to Kill. Mm. I I didn't know he did Hard to Kill. I, somehow or another, I always thought that was a John Woo thing. Where did I get that? Wow. Okay. You're thinking of... Um, the killers. Is that it? Okay. <laughs> I'm mixing up my action ghetto. but uh-huh. And he also did uh, the Sylvester Stallone vehicle, the early Sylvester Stallone vehicle in Nighthawks. Uh, now, that one, that's a future episode. I'm telling both of you right now. that I will hold that up as a good, that's a good Rutger Hauer joint, too. But this one, like, I, I remember, like, the 
I guess the advertisements for this and like seeing the box in the video store and but I have never watched this before this viewing. Like I I knew it existed and I think I kind of knew what it was about, but I really didn't know anything about this movie. So have either of you seen it before? Me? No, I have never heard of this movie until you uh, Facebook messaged me about this. And you're like, hey, uh, we're doing something a uh, movie with the Boz. And I'm like, the football player? And it was like, also, I look it up and I'm like, oh, shit, he made a movie. Well, he made more than <laughs> one, but yeah. <laughs> but no, this, this, this was the first time of me watching it. I actually watched it today. So it was, uh, yeah, it was an experience, but we'll get into that. I'm almost positive that I've seen this before, but like back in the nineties, but it, I've not seen it since. Um, but I have been tempted by the, uh, I believe there's a riff tracks of it. that has been calling my name. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not more of it. I, and look, it's on YouTube right now, folks. So clearly no one cares about it. So as far as like revenue, so I, I don't think any of us paid anything for it. So <laughs> congratulations. We, we oh, I, I bought it on Amazon. What the hell? Oh, I'm, well, I'm sorry you didn't get that email. So <laughs> I think before we get any further into this, we, we need to do a plot summary. And so you guys can arm wrestle in the parking lot or race a motorcycle for it if you want. But one of you, please tell us what Stone Cold's all about. And the audience, too, because I have a feeling no one else has seen this. I, I will gladly give the plot summary for this action movie classic. Okay, you are throwing down gauntlet words, so go for it. It's wonderful. Joe Huff, fresh off a suspension from his Alabama police department, is recruited by the FBI to infiltrate a biker gang run amok in Mississippi. Under the name John Stone, he works his way into the group, led by Lance Hendrickson, Chains, and William Forsythe, Ice. He learns that the Brotherhood's ultimate goal is to eliminate the district attorney running for governor who promises to crack down on crime. Biker gangs in specific. Joe is able to flip Nancy, Chain's woman, into helping him, but when his plan backfires, she's killed. Chain straps a bomb to Joe and intends to drop him off at the, onto the courthouse. Stone gets loose and takes control of the chopper. After a huge fight between the Brotherhood and the cops in the courthouse, Joe and Chains face off with the bad guy turned over to the cops. However, Chains breaks free, and when he tries to shoot Joe, Wimpy FBI agent Lance blows him away, saving Joe so he can walk off into the sunset, glorious mullet shining. <laughs> and blood streaming all over his face because we had to cut him up to make him look cool, but whatever. That is that's one of the longest walking away from uh, uh, the end of a movie montages I think I've ever seen. They must have had to like kill some they must have had to fill some time because they literally shoot him walking out of that courthouse for what feels like five minutes. Yeah, but the music's terrible. They didn't even get a good song with it. Like, you couldn't have even gotten, like, a Bob Seger song or something, like, something. I mean, it's been $25 million in this movie, and there's a lot of effects in it, but nobody in the cast is demanding the money that much, so they couldn't get one good Skinner song for this. I mean, something. Oh, no, you got to have, like, White Snake or Poison. <laughs> yeah, 91. Yeah, I guess so. Warren. You couldn't get a trickster song for this in 91. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I was thinking Motley Crue myself. Yeah, they couldn't afford the crew. That, <laughs> I mean, they probably got Motley Crue like video sets because half of this crap looks like Girls, Girls, Girls. Well, yeah, I can say yeah. those girls, and especially in the beginning of the movie, are from a Motley Crue music video. <laughs> completely, completely. You could have you gotten early Guns N' Roses, I think. 
This is before they really exploded. Yeah, that would have been, well, somebody would have had to be paying attention, I think. And I don't think anybody Columbia was. But, no, I mean, I, I'm not even trying to get, like, a good band. Like, you couldn't get a knockoff, like, Sea Raid band to come in and do something. I was really disappointed that I didn't get a good mullet rocking song at the end of this movie. It really just, I don't know, it took something away. You call it awesome, though, Ron, so I, I'm just going to put it to you right now. Like, well, what about this? clearly is awesome there's not a lot of story to walk through here so we you know we can kind of talk around it what about this is awesome in your book well did you see how many people get machine gunned to death lots. in this movie yeah lots of people they're they literally kill an entire courthouse full of people and then john stone walks down the hallway and basically murders an entire biker gang in retribution um you've got lots of body grease you've got people riding motorcycles you've got people getting dragged by motorcycles you've got uh, some weird strip club rock and roll club hybrid club you've got nazi paraphernalia you've got lance hendrickson doing one of the greatest villain roles and having the best chain smoker laugh in movie history who who ends up dressed as a priest at the end of this so. I mean, what's not to what's not to love about this movie? <laughs> oh, I don't know. You forgot the pet Gila monster or whatever in the hell that thing is that he feeds all that crap to and out of the blender in the beginning and loves very affectionately. And so <laughs> it's a, it is a Nile monitor lizard, okay. and if he actually fed it that food, it would have basically killed it. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I think I didn't see the thing going after it. I think even the lizard was like. This is, I'm not supposed to do this, right? Like, this is not my scene, right? <laughs> so, the lizard had a better face than some of the actors. So, uh, okay, so we have our main character here, Joe Huff, John Stone, chiseled meat known as Brian Bosworth. And I love the opening to this. It's like Shawn Michaels, Razor Marone, and some black guy decide to hold up a grocery store. And, <laughs> and he just goes shopping in it. Yeah, the right it's, place it's, at the right time. Mm-hmm. Is that not a great cold opening for an action movie, though? Oh, I mean, it got me into it because I wanted to see what he did. And look, the thing is, is he doesn't shoot anybody. He he like tricks them into taking themselves out, which is I, I already knew. I was like, so are they gonna? Or I wondered, are they gonna like play this off where he doesn't kill anybody? He just pratfalls people to death or things like that. No, later on they let him like gun down a million people. But I thought at first I was like, I figured everybody would get shot here. I actually had a thought about the Stallone film Cobra, also a hold on, we'll do that one day too, that also opens in a grocery store where Stallone shoots people, you know, in the freezer that's, section. And that's probably where they got the idea for this cold opening from. Was it wasn't Cobra <laughs> a couple years before this? Ah, uh, yeah, it was. But where are my axe-wielding maniacs? So. They must have got the idea that's for Hot Fuzz too. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where that came from? That, that I mean, came this from a probably lot of is where they got the movie. idea for Hot Fuzz, because if, if I can think of a guy who's seen this movie, it's Edgar Wright. This is true. <laughs> uh, I just have to laugh, though, with, like, you know, especially, like, this opening scene and as we go throughout, just, the, like, the extreme punishment they put their stunt people through because, like, everything from gunshots to punches to slipping on a can of something, they just go flying. I mean, it's just, like... Gravity has like no bounds when the boss decides to do something because like this opening scene, 
he throws like a can to kind of trick the guy with the shotgun and he ends up like shooting a can and then he ends up going running and he ends up like tripping over stuff and he goes flying into like a, you know, one of those like ridiculously set up like uh, displays with like food stacked on top of each other. And it's just like, wow, it's that, that that's amazing that, uh, you know, <laughs> the velocity of that guy's able to take him like 20 feet like well, the, that. The thing is. The way it shot, I got confused because it looked like he threw the can in one direction, the guy shot it, and he went running in the opposite direction, but then he slips on the mess of the can. And I'm like, Bosworth, like, blindly throws that. Does he just know the store so well that he's like, well, if the guy runs at, you know, this amount of speed, he'll slide right into that coke in cap and I won't have to kill him. He's a chess player, man. He's not a checkers player like Arnold. He's a chess player. He's knowing that... I should throw this here. He's going to shoot that. His gun's going to jam. He's going to freak out, run, slip on that, and then crash and then be disabled. He just he put that all together in a matter of seconds. I mean, like he clotheslines Shawn Michaels after he's eating a cookie. The black guy, I forget what happens. He gets thrown into something, but it's Razor Ramon that slips on the green beans mess that he shoots. And that's the funny part of it. So I I don't know. Like, I got a kick out of it. I laughed with it. And especially the fact that he's like, wait till the Sarge gets a hold of you now. You're on suspension. And, like, all he says is, like, clean up on aisle four. And he walks out. And I'm like, well, I know what we're in for now. Because they do kick into the, the faux hard rock great white song or whatever that is over the opening credits. Yeah. Call it, call it what it is. It's it's fart rock. <laughs> it really is. We'll borrow that phrase, I guess. But yeah, I love I love the cleanup line because if you guys ever watched The Office, uh, Michael Scott had this character called that he's like kind of like a James Bond, but like that's his catchphrase is like clean up on aisle seven. <laughs> so I, I had now a I, now I, know, I know where they got that. Fla- I had a Mr. Mom flashback. Like Irv, we were never even on aisle four, you know. So that's where I thought it was fun. But I think that's always been the grocery store like punchline is clean up on aisle but he delivers the line like stallone like i'm doing a mock stallone right now that's what it sounded like i was like oh god is he gonna try to mock stallone he does break out of that which is especially in the quote tender moments of the well that's that's what's so awesome about this movie though is it just it captures that 80 aesthetic of like the hero like walking away from everything you know it's like he's gonna leave his punchline but he's got to do it as he walks away (laughs) it's just like you know even like the end of the movie you know we're talking about like this 25 minute walking scene down the steps of the courthouse and it's like yep we got to have the uh the hero just walking away (laughs) so it just it sets it up nicely that's a trope though that i always associate with westerns that the guy shoots the bad guy at the high noon showdown at the end and then walks off into the sunset with the woman or by himself or whatever like that. That's where I think, at least in my mind, that's where that stuff comes from. I don't know if you guys feel that way or not, but I feel like I saw I think that it is like, a dozen times. I, you know? I think it is kind of like the badass moment. You know what I mean? Whether mm. it's a Western with Clint Eastwood doing it or, you know, numerous 90s action movies where they got to walk away from an explosion like desperate you know desperado where it's like yep we got to get the cool shot of them walking away from the explosion mm-hmm. it's 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 how you know he's a tough guy who plays by his own rule because he doesn't care what <laughs> way, what he leaves behind in his wake he just moves forward like a shark is that what it is yeah he's like a live he's like a a, a proto version of uh demolition man ah uh, before he's frozen and comes back in, uh, you know, You're right. San Angeles. Yeah, that that could have been some of the same lineage of character, at least. So, speaking of lineage of characters, I just got to talk about William Forsyth, Ice here. 
I, at first, like when we meet him, he's having this moment where him and a biker buddy are like the guy from Terminator Two. Is that that guy? I was going to ask if it was the it's, guy. It's got to be from. the guy from Terminator Two, the biker in the beginning that puts a cigar out on Arnold. That's him. It's got to be him. But you didn't say I, please, I, 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 Even if it's so. not him, it is him, okay? So that's <laughs> well, just they, a fact. They are taking turns shooting faux Coors light bottles off of each other's shoulders. And, like, he got a pistol, and Forsyth, like, puts one on his forehead, and he blasts it off of there. And then when he – it's his turn to hold the can. Forsyth, like, pulls out, like, a little mini Uzi thing and just, like, unloads a 100 rounds but only hits the can in the car behind the dude. The dude doesn't get shot. It is the most spectacular automatic gun shooting since I've seen since uh, the remake of King Kong by Peter Jackson. You know, where they're in that, 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 that like, insect pick, in, insect pit where he's, like, got the Tommy gun and he's able to, like, you know, shoot the thing like crazy but precisely hit the rope, hit the insects off of people. So, but it's, 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 yeah, I thought it would have been better if he would have just shot him dead and everybody was just like, yeah, cause this is like the type of like parties that are going on where it's like, you know, you got like these like impromptu cage matches where people are beating each other up and women, you know, just strutting around naked or showering in the opening. I mean, I never have been part of the biker crowd. So I'm like thinking, I'm like, that's pretty badass crowd there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's almost like, you know, what, what you think like the NWO in the late nineties would be doing or something. <laughs> and they dress the same way. So, but they, it's, it's, yeah, do. it's a, it's a crazy culture that they got going on here with these, uh, these greasy bikers and like they're, you know, substantially pretty hot women that are with them. So the thing I was going to say about foresight that once I finally realized it was him, I said, huh, this is sort of reminds me of the character he played in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, I kind of hope this character doesn't die because then I can connect these two universally. Oh, he dies horribly later. You know? So then I was yeah, like, well, they're, they're brothers. So I didn't put that together though, that, that, that was William Forsythe at first. Cause I'm so used to seeing him in his later roles. Um, you know, if you ever seen like boardwalk empire, he's, you know, part of, you know, in that and everything. And it's like, his nose is a lot smaller in the early nineties than it is today. Well, you know, your so ears and your nose continue to grow. <laughs> and he's a clear example of it because it's gotten about four times as big in the last <laughs> last 20 years. So. The teeth, though, are almost the same. I think he did have them fixed finally, but he had that. Big no, yeah, he teeth. totally got he got them yeah. capped, though, I think, with his Boardwalk Empire money. So, yeah, yeah he, he did eventually get them fixed. But here, man, it's like, oh, when he's talking, it's, it's like it's straight uh, hand gap. I mean, it's pretty, pretty thick. Yeah. And he, how does how your like incisor smaller than like your. Your next ones. I, I, I don't get that. <laughs> I mean, the, I, I just knew clearly from this, I was like, well, we're on a, like the day set of girls, girls, girls from Motley Crue. And this is what's going down. And I, I thought it was at first I was like, how did he not hit that guy? Oh, wait a minute. We're in a nineties action movie. Nobody can shoot and hit anything. It was like GI Joe or stormtroopers from the original trilogy. Right. So nobody hit anything. So I'm having yeah, there's fun. There's no with, one around that gets shot at all either. But know? here's the thing though, guys, I've grown up in the South, been through a good bit of Mississippi. I, I don't know if any of it looks like this. This looks like Venice Beach. And I can't prove that that's where this was shot. And I didn't bother to look it up to see. But I'm like, well, it didn't look anything like Mississippi at all. Oh, um, speaking of things I bothered to look up, uh, <laughs> you, Nick is right. The guy who, who puts the cigar out on the Terminator is also the dude who gets um, shot at. Uh, ah. In the opening, it's Mudfish and Cigar Biker are the same dude. <laughs> the, the late Robert Winley, R.I.P. 
Uh, oh, he died. That's that's sad. He had a name in this movie, Mudfish. I didn't get that. <laughs> yes, they all had names. You hear them like once at the end when they're all rampaging through the courthouse, and he's like, "Chopper, Skullcap, go here. Six pack, you got the hostages." I think at that point I had stopped accepting new information and was just sort of sitting there in a daze. Well, I, I have to ask though. You know, these are obviously not their. Uh, you know, names on their birth certificates. How do they come up with such like crazy names? Do they like just, yeah, that's a cool name. And that's what I'm going to be called. I, I mean, I think I change is because it, it's changed um, how, people. It, how it traditionally works is that other people give you your name. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know you'd spent time in biker gangs either, Ron. I learn new things every time we do a show. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same principle behind like how hikers get their trail name. Like, yeah. So other people give you your biker name. So it's kind of like Dances with Wolves, you know, when they give him a name, right? I was thinking more of like the Seinfeld episode where uh, George Costanza wanted to have that nickname of Bones, or is that what he was called? T Bone. T Bone, yes. And they ended up calling him Coco. <laughs> so. Or or Animal House. You will be Flounder. Who, by the way, also R.I.P. So. Uh, no You're Mr. Pink. <laughs> I don't want to be Pink. Yeah, there we go. That, well, there's some, somebody else that ripped this movie off. I guarantee you Tarantino's seen this movie. He probably owns the Criterion Blu-ray you have. So, <laughs> it. There's Tarantino's only two in existence. On, Tarantino's got this on 35mm. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, you're right. He probably does own the remaining print. Because uh, Columbia doesn't. So, do we know that for sure? Oh, boy. No, this this opening, though, is all about this you know, badass biker game. And I do have a question, though, because when we meet her, we meet Nancy, and one of you wrote in the note section, where's her cool name? And I thought the same thing. She's just Nancy. Nasty. Do we have anything for her? Uh, all I know is that she was in the movie Carnosaur 2. So, I didn't know uh, she was in anything else, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she got her arm bit off in that movie, so you can just search her name, and that's the first image that pops up, so just in case anybody was wondering. So that's a great movie, by the way. Both of you have seen Carnosaur 2. I assume you've seen one as well, right? I did, I have, yes. <laughs> I have the Carnosaur box set. Oh, I feel a retrospective. <laughs> All three of them. I've never yeah. seen any of them, so that's that. We mark that one down too. This whole show is just about what we're going to do later, so well, yeah. we might as well. Oh, we'll Carnosaur, well, Carnosaur, real quick. Uh, that was during the <laughs> Jurassic Park, uh, you know, when that came out. Yeah, and my dad rented that for me on VHS. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, it had a dinosaur on it. I think you might like this movie." So I remember watching that, going, "What the fuck?" Don't you, <laughs> don't you love the dad rentals when they're like, "Yeah, this looks like something you like." You're like, "Nice try, Dad." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, back to Stone who Cold. That, um, yeah. Who was it that played um, what's her face? Uh, Ellie Sadler in Jurassic Park. That was Laura Dern. Laura Dern's mom was cast in Carnosaur because she's Laura Dern's mom. Well, um, that's as scientist <laughs> as the scientist lady who invents the Carnosaur. Well, now, Jay, can we just talk about Carnosaur? Now, now, now we might. I figure like we. Too. Might as well. Welcome back to Carnacast, <laughs> the only Carnosaur podcast on the internet. We're we, still talking about Carnosaur. This is episode fifty-seven. <laughs> it's one yep. minute. That is See, that, we're we're going to change like our whole like podcast format now. It's like a complete like segue. It's like we're going to start talking about this. 
But at the end, though, the review is going to completely change to a second. second hey, movie. I'm not going to lie and tell y'all that. I mean, I was taking notes in this movie like I always do, trying to do this. And at some point, like I said, I stopped accepting information. I stopped writing things down. I started like playing Candy Crush on the iPad and would look up every couple of minutes. Like I ain't still shooting people. Like I don't. There's like 40 minutes to this movie and nothing happening, and I don't think it matters. Like you could watch. The oh no, no, s- something the happened to 20. me though because like as we go further, we end up like in a strip club. Yeah, that and you got like you got like this whole stage thing with all of it, and of course, what happens with me? My wife comes walking in, like, "Hey, what do you want for dinner?" She's like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I feel like like, I've (laughs) never met your wife, but I'm pretty sure she blames me for all the horrible shit you watch. So, (laughs) so, and I just did. Well, no, she was just happy because normally I watch these movies with my son. (laughs) It probably would have been the same. Yeah, this is probably not one you want to break out for the nine-year-old. I'm pretty sure this may be. I mean, it's it's written at the the level of a nine-year-old. No, you know what else I I got a vibe of off this movie, though, guys? I really got like a Roadhouse Patrick Swayze vibe, especially when they go to the bar. Like that's Which I finally just watched the other day, by the way. Oh, so now you know what we mean. So now that is an awesome (laughs) film. So, um, I could talk about that for days. Well, once again, he back on Segway podcast where we don't back to Carnosaur. So, so Clint Howard, <laughs> yeah. how was he Thinking not in people this? Who should have been in this movie? Yes, yes, he should have been. Thank you. He should have been in this movie. Okay, this is how they recruit him. I love this. You get the um, the coroner from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Nine, Jason Goes to Hell, and other things too. But you get Richard Gant. As the one FBI agent, and then the uh, FBI agent Lance guy, the Sam McMurray guy, who looks like he could be an extra on Chicago Hope, is like one of the orderlies or something. And they're going to recruit Joe here because we need somebody that can infiltrate the Brotherhood. And the reason they want to do this, though, is because the leader of the Brotherhood we see in the wild party scene murders a priest with a double-barreled shotgun in the middle of a wedding. The trial happens. He gets sentenced, but he like only gets forty five years instead of death. That, and then ice that guy's blows. Not even, that guy's not even the leader. He's just one of the gang members. It's just a gun. See, like the internet was trying to tell me that was the leader, and I'm like, Lance Hendrickson's the leader of this group. Clearly. Yeah, Lance Hendrickson's yeah. clearly the leader of this crew with yeah, his so. sleazy mustache and soul patch. Oh, all the way. Well, I'm still trying to figure out like why he, so he walked into a chapel or whatever, and there was like a baptismal going on Mm -hmm. and he just blows away the priest. I I have a theory, Nick, because there's a, there's a whole undercurrent here that these bikers are making money off of the strip club and the proceeds of the speed sales, meth, whatever, that the strippers sell to the truckers to keep them alive. And like they they have this big shipment coming in and he talks about like, man, that stuff will blow your mind, you know? And I kind of thought somewhere in a cut scene or a piece of script that got burned in a fire, um, when everybody was needing to light a, you know, bong or something that the guy was just loped out on, on his own stash. And that's why he went and did it. Like, I, no, I thought that's what they were saying. They, I thought they killed like three religious figures. Okay. Like, they didn't just kill the one priest. Apparently, the TV news report later, uh, the exposition hour later tells us <laughs> that there were like three or four religious leaders of the community who were murdered by the Brotherhood. And I, oh, I, and I, 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 I got to spin here. Okay. 
At the end of the movie, though, we see Lance Hendrickson dressed up as basically a priest. Right. My take was that he originally wanted to be a priest, and he got kicked out of the priest school because he was just, you know, Lance Hendrickson, and they didn't want him. So that was his revenge, was that he sent one of his lower-level guys to kill religious figures in revenge for him getting kicked out of preschool. That is my take on this. The way you're saying priest school sounds like preschool. And I think it's also apropos because I don't think this man's educated. So (laughs) I just want you to know that. And you've actually rewritten the movie to be even better now. So I, yeah, I <laughs> wouldn't like that it. have been great though if, like, the beginning of the movie oh, was like Lance had- Hendrickson like dressed up and he gets like kicked out because he's all like high on crank and like baptizing like fifty babies at once, like keeps on like dunking their heads all in the water. I mean, that would have been fantastic. How, how many babies did uh, iced out <laughs> Reverend Shane drown in the baptismal before he lost his collar? Uh, I'm just imagining right now Carnosaur with a priest uh, thing on his neck. Carnosaur with a priest. He's looking for revenge. That sounds like an X-Files episode. Or that second X-Files movie, whichever one. But, yeah. Oh, man. Is the Carnosaur, Carnosaur going to be voiced by Billy Connolly? <laughs> only. Only if it Well, then the third one, because that's the Carnosaur that is cutting women apart to transform himself Buffalo Bill style or what the hell ever was happening to that movie. I don't know. So <laughs> that, I don't know. I, I'd start going back to church religiously if my preacher, my preacher was a carnosaur. So <laughs> Lance Hendrickson sends a goon, not the leader, but the guy goes to, he, he gets 45 years, I think. And then ice murders the judge, you know, fishing boat bomb and, <laughs> and William Forsyth left. And, you know, that's their payback. And so then we get to meet the district attorney on television stumping for it. And if I'm elected governor of this great state, I will crack down on blah, blah, blah. And what I love later is Lance Henderson's got like the football coach VCR that'll do like the quick shuttle back and forth. And he gets it to repeat in like one line, like I will go for death, 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 death. Over I, I got to ask you guys though, with that, is that even possible that after someone has been sentenced to a, you know, a specific time that they can try to redo that to be able to get him more? I've never heard of a resentencing. I, that may be the case, though. Ron, do you know anything about that? I mean, I know you can have appeals and sentences can be changed on appeal, but I don't know why uh, they would. I mean, why wouldn't they just wait for him to murder someone in prison and then give him the chair for that? Because clearly this guy's not going to, you know, stop murdering people. He's not going to start teaching people English. Like, <laughs> Well, the sequel, I think if they would have made a sequel, that would have been about was that guy gets elected and he sends Boz and Carnosaur to prison to kill that guy. <laughs> what's, the, what's the sequel to Stone Cold? It's not Stone Cold 2, Stone Harder. I mean, colder, more colder, whatever. <laughs> well, it's the, uh, it's the, the thing I sent you, Jay, um, the podcast. Oh, yeah, there we go. You know what? You're right. I forgot about that. Back to Stone Cold, Carnosaur, whatever the hell we're talking about. So that's, <laughs> Back that's to the, Carnosaur again. Yeah, that's the point is that uh, we're going to infiltrate the gang because we want to bring them down. And they they pitch the idea that like it's going to be Agent Lance infiltrating the gang. And Bosworth's like, uh-uh. You know, and at first he won't do it, and he says, "Oh, it's all set my three weeks out, whatever." And then they're like, "Oh, it just turned into six months." And I was like, "Does the FBI blackmail people like that?" Oh, well, never mind. I forgot what year I live in. So <laughs> the Russians probably made him do it, but yeah. So they basically 
curtail him into doing this. And he goes to the Great Biker Rally in the desert of Mississippi. <laughs> That's what we're led to believe. Daytona um, Beach. With with a van and uh, a a nice ride. And, of course, we have to see Boz on the ride a few times. And I did have moments of Hulk Hogan No Holds Barred flashback with that, with that blonde hair going like that. I was like, oh, that's that looks like No Holds Barred. It's almost as stupid. <laughs> At least it doesn't do that damn I was thinking Fast and Furious with uh, Brian going, you know, like, you got to go in there. You got to infiltrate this racing crowd. It's like, this is where they got it from. They're infiltrating a biker crowd here. I just wonder if they knew Point Break was being made, and they're like, we can infiltrate something, right? Well, yeah. So, and then. <laughs> Keanu infiltrating as a surfer, though, somehow works better. Like, Bosworth, for all of his physicality and stuff, he is kind of, like, clean and pretty. He doesn't look like a biker. I mean, he's not tatted up or any of that crap. He's got earrings in, but for the time, that wasn't anything weird. I, he's got one dangly earring in. He's got the two. He's got a stud and then the, the like, feather dangle. You're right. Like, the Mr. Like, almost Mr. T. Can I just say, I, I kind of wish that style would come back. I like the dangle earring. I think that's kind of cool. Kind of reminds me of like uh, Deion Sanders there with the uh, dangle cross earring in one ear. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought about Dion in a while, but that was the same era. So you're you're in the right ballpark there. Uh, I'm bringing it back. I'm going to the jewelry store after this podcast. I demand photos on our Facebook page if that is the case. So because <laughs> you do have tattoos, actually, Nick. We should say so. Um, and of anyone on this podcast, you're probably most closely built like Boz. I certainly am not. So I actually was kind of thinking that throughout the whole thing, not <laughs> not about me, but I was thinking I'm like, he's not that big. But again, I well, you know in the late eighties, he was considered big. Now nowadays, no, people would kill him. It, like Cam Newton makes him look like a child. But for those days, he was a monster, you know. So well, I, I I mean a little side segue here. It was like I was at the airport the other day, and there was all the WWE guys at, oh. at the airport, and some of like the smaller guys that you see, like the cruiserweight guys. I'm like, those guys are freaking huge. I'm like, <laughs> and they look so small on TV. And then I see a guy like uh, that Russian guy with that hot wife Lana, and I'm Reset. like, oh my god. I'm like that that guy. How is he even alive? I'm like, <laughs> I, I I don't even know. His heart has to be like the size of like an actual football to be able to get blood through that body, but. Yeah, completely, you know, <laughs> supplements have come a long way. <laughs> they so. really, really have. So Joe infiltrates. We go to the bar. We get the line about the biker selling the meth or what the hell ever. What I like is that Ice at no point, like, buys this. Like, he's always like, man, this guy's a pig. This guy's a cop. I'm telling y'all, this is bad news. And nobody believes him. And I'm like, this is the problem with gangs is they don't listen to their own people. If they just listened, they would have shot this dude dead and it would have been no problem. Because I mean, he, he's right. He clearly, <laughs> you know, like he clearly bathes every day. Mm-hmm. He clearly shaves. He's got all his teeth. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any uh, swastika gear or uh, even really any rebel flag gear. He, so he's not a very convincing biker. He doesn't even give him a good backstory. I'm I'm independent. What? yeah he he totally looks like he he's coming from you know like california just the way he looks with like his bleached blonde hair and you know he yeah like you you point out perfectly he's perfectly manicured not like these bikers who got like these crazy unkempt beard you know beards and everything like that like you can tell he's going to the haircut place like every week to be able to get that mullet and get those sides you know trimmed up 
Now, again, I didn't look it up, but I'm certain some of these people were like actual bikers that they just hired to be in there, and they probably were all very scared of on the set that one time. Like, I can see some of these guys being like the real thing, and they're going, do we, do we really, do I really, Lance Hendrickson in the back going, do I really have to hang out with these people? I'm really scared of them. I'm pretty sure that guy hasn't made. No, no, no. I think everybody was scared of Lance Henriksen. I mean, my gosh. I mean, we're talking about the, uh, you know, Boz's lizard in the beginning here. And it's like his skin, that lizard's skin is better than Lance Henriksen's in this movie. I mean, Henriksen may have charisma and presence, but he is 135 pounds waiting to be broken in half and turned. Yeah, but he looks like a guy, though, that would like you wake up, you wake up in the middle of the night and he's standing over you with like a with a jar of barbecue sauce, like, don't know what he's up to. I mean, that's that's Lance, Lance Henriksen. Man, I don't know what the hell you've been watching and dreaming, but wow. That, is that Carnosaur 3? <laughs> that, that, that actually is the plot of Carnosaur 4. <laughs> oh, the unmade script. So, uh, that's I mean, well, that's scarier than anything in the movie. I like this guy. Like, it's so funny to me because I'm like, this is Lance Hendrickson obviously cashing in on his post Aliens fame, but it's before Alien Three, which I always assumed was like the last real thing he did before he totally sold out. Nope, <laughs> started earlier. I forgot. My- I, I got to ask that though. Is like Lance Hendrickson never met a role he wasn't willing to take up? I don't I think mean- there's a paycheck. Big enough or small enough that the man won't cash. I'll tell you. I, mean, I honestly think his like resume that he sends out is like, "We'll work for a six pack of Coke and bo- bottle of barbecue sauce." I mean, that's that's all you have to pay this guy. If we wanted him on the podcast, Jay, we'd have to pool, pool in like eight dollars. No, no, no. Here. He'll he'll take fifty dollars to get an autograph with you at a comic con. I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> So. And there's people that will actually pay that. Too, yeah, you've been to cons, Ron. Have you seen him at one? I mean, you've you've met uh, you know other famous people at him. No, I've never. He's never been at a con. I think he works too much. Oh, like I think he yeah. has too many actual like. He's. I'm looking at his IMDb page because I was out of curious. And he uh, he literally has like five, six, seven, eight movies a year. Every year from like 1980. Four on. He's either got like 10 ex-wives and a bunch of kids, or he's just setting up the family for like centuries. You know? He is the white Danny Trejo, man. I mean, he is just, <laughs> he just does everything. I can actually go see him at a con, though. He'd be like right next to Virgil. If you remember him, you know, Ted yes. DiBiase's guy, yeah. he'd be like right next to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Virgil will straight up uh, sell you a picture for $25, no doubt. So <laughs> that's that's a known fact. Well, that guy, uh, he'd probably even tweet you back. <laughs> if you, you tweet he actually is one of my only followers on Twitter, believe it or not. That's that. Well, more people need to follow at Joker Nick nineteen eighty three. So um, and at Hollywood Ron and at J Newcastle CPP. There we go. We've got all that. Back to Carnosaur or Stone Cold, whatever we're talking about. <laughs> so so Lance Hendrickson is made of leather. We're we're sure of that now. Um, I love the fact when he gets like the the stoner biker that is like because well, they kill like they rob a bunch of chemicals from some National Guard people or something. And I'm not really sure what was happening there, but he shoots him because he's all like, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, brother. I, I turned him into Hulk Hogan for some reason. But he, he did that, and then the guy's like, that ain't right. That ain't what the brotherhood's all about, man. And like as punishment, he cranks up his bike, gets the spokes going, and shoves the guy's hand through it. So Yeah, that's cut. Yeah. 
Um, that, uh, that's some violent, yeah, you will, I mean, I'm just, why don't you kill him? Like, maim him, I guess, is better, so. It's so, it's so the others will learn, so is he'll that, learn. Is that why he makes that redhead marry the guy that gets halfway blown up in the grenade attack that Bosworth gets involved in? Pretty much, and, and speaking of gut, he's also in Hard to Kill, so maybe huh? he was brought on to Stone Cold by the original director. Could have been for sure. I got to play the Clint Howard role. Yeah, I. <laughs> which where was Clint Howard at this point? I I want to know. I mean, and actually looking at his IMDb page, he was in Carnosaur Three. <laughs> we are. I, that's the next thing we're doing. I don't care what's on the schedule. That's <laughs> that's it's decided. So. Uh, okay, I, I want to talk about two big action scenes here, though. We do need to talk about Nancy and stuff, too. But I want to talk about the two big action scenes. And the, the first of which, I think, is when Joe is setting up part of a, what he's going to do as part of the sting to get these guys. And Ice, of course, who never has believed in him, follows him. And he's like, see you, bug in the clubhouse. And they have, like, the motorcycle chase through the town, shooting at each other. Cops get murdered. And finally, like... Uh, Ice takes a Sons of Anarchy header into a car before he before he buys it at the end um, with an explosion. Yes, because yeah, the car randomly explodes. We can't forget that. No, that's a Golden Globus thing. I feel like like they they watched all of those movies and were like, well, it's got to blow up. I mean, it just does. Well, I imagine though, when like William Forsythe eventually dies, that the Oscars will show that scene as like his like in memory of William Forsythe uh, showing him crash into a car. If Dennis Farina gets left off the immemorium, William Forsythe has no prayer. I'm sorry. So uh, yeah, William Forsythe's not getting a, an immemorium. No, he is not. I will start that petition now. Change even before he's dead. Dot org <laughs> slash Forsythe. Uh, he might appreciate. He might tweet you back. I don't know what he's doing. These Actually, days. I, I am doing that right now as we type this. I'm linking him and the Oscars into a please include him when he dies. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're you know this is not only an informative podcast where you get a lot of things and variety, but we we make a difference, folks. We don't ask you for donations. We ask you to sign petitions for C-rate action stars to be in in memoriam on the Oscars. You're actually seeing our civic duties done. (laughs) This is is like uh, court-ordered community service for me. So I'm... (laughs) Well, I like your judge needs the same treatment as this one got. Then this is what you got punished for. But <laughs> the 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 movie continues on though because we I do love that chase though. Man. You gotta admit that's a good action sequence. Like I gave the movie props from like you know what this movie's incredibly stupid, but the action in this is pretty good for like the day and age. It it works. I mean, it's all practical effects and stuff. So I appreciate well, good the best- practical blowing up stuff. Well, the best part of the whole chase is like when they're they're in this tunnel, and you got the boss trying to like go by the cars on the side, and then you got William Forsythe in the middle, and there's like this just like poor guy driving, and also only like William Forsythe like comes up to him, he's like hi, and he takes a <laughs> takes a knife out, slashes his arm, so the guy goes into the side rail to try to hit the hit the boss. I'm just like. That is genius. I've never seen that before. The and man that, planned like, ahead. He was clearly the good number two in the game. So. Well, that's what happens when you have two chess players going at each other. Is that what it is? It's it's just, it is. It's a tour de force <laughs> going on in the. Uh, how did William Forsythe never make a WrestleMania? Then? <laughs> oh, never mind. I saw him with his shirt off in this movie. So, um, woo! 
I mean, I'm not saying I pumped the iron, but holy smokes. Anyway, uh, talking about not caring at all. <laughs> so th- this though leads to the big turn that you know they're trying to pull Joe off the case. He's like, no, I can get it done. I can turn the woman. And I'm like, oh, he's going to screw her, right? Like, that's the next thing. They don't go there. I was a little surprised. Were you guys? Oh, that's that's exactly what I expected to happen. Because it had been, like, 30 whole minutes since the beginning of the movie where that uh, woman gets out of his bed. Right. The random woman that we don't know who that was. So I mean, isn't that, like, the trope of these movies? Like, he'll end up sleeping with her and why he's asleep She'll like go through his wallet or something like that and be like, "Oh my gosh, he's not who he says he is." Oh, maybe he or tells her straight up that he's a cop. Her, yeah, yeah. So he tells her he's a cop. I mean, he you know, there's no hiding that at all. So I I don't know. I I actually you know I'll give the movie credit for not going there because I really thought they would. It is the obvious thing to do. So. And the fact that they don't. Well, obviously that, that actress has got, you know, she, she thought she was going somewhere. So they're probably like no nudity scenes for me in this movie. Cause she's the only one that doesn't get new, new to this movie. She, as far as the female equation goes, much like Sherry moon in a Rob zombie movie. She's the only woman not naked. So, <laughs> because all the other ones are so, well, she, 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 like I said, she thought she had a career, which led to Carnosaur too. So, <laughs> well, we'll revisit her when that time comes. How is she not in a troll sequel? Oh, there was only one. Never mind. So <laughs> it was before. I keep thinking there were more of that. How is she not in a Critters movie, Nick? <laughs> so she's well. She was in a uh, Goonies Go to College. So there is that. Not Goonies, Ghoulies. You mean Ghoulies? Ghoulies that's right. Not Goonies. <laughs> I have we have to get the right monster. <laughs> I have recently seen Pronouns Pal. I have recently seen the first Ghoulies. By the way, that's also a hold on to your seats. So that might have to happen one day. But anyway, back to Carnosaur or Stone Cold or whatever it is we're talking about. <laughs> the WCW pay-per-views. Uh, so Nancy is, of course, betraying everybody. He, she's going to turn states, whatever. Uh, I need somebody to help me put together how they figure out that she's going dirty and and decide to kill her. Where, where Chains gets that information from. Because I don't remember. I I watched this and it flew right by me. I have no idea how he figures that out. He he doesn't get that information from her. Okay. The uh, Mexican guy that he's supposed to cut the ear off in the beginning. Yeah. Oh. Shows back up. That's right. And that's how they find out he's a cop because that Mexican guy tells them, and they just shoot her because they see that she's gotten close to uh, Stone. That, you, good. I, Good memory. I forgot all about the random Mexican guy that we should have killed but didn't, and he just shows back up in the climax. Uh, yeah, that was a big mistake. They should have cashed Danny Trejo. Then we would have remembered. <laughs> that, why didn't? Why was Danny Trejo not that guy? If I'm Danny Trejo's agent, I I have to go. Danny, we missed on this one. Because what was he doing? <laughs> well, man, he might have actually been doing time in '91. I don't know. I have to go back and look, but. Because he, he did a little time. so um, I think he was out by 91. He was. He might have been. I don't know. But Well, if they would have got him for this movie, they would have brought his six-year sentence down to six weeks. So they could have. <laughs> See, they, he could have just been stoned. But it all comes together. It really does. But what's even better is how all the stuff goes down. Nancy gets killed and Chains lets you know, Stone know Joe, he's got him, right? And I love his wicked elaborate way to kill him. I'm not just going to shoot you in the face because that would be convenient. 
Jay, before we get there, though, I mean, you, we forgot the whole Valhalla scene with ice. My question was, was how do they get the body of him and then the motorcycle be able to burn at like a biker rally? Is that is that just like standard protocol with like dead bodies where it's like, hey, he shot the one cop in that town <laughs> in that bike chase. I don't think there was anybody to come and claim it otherwise. So. Plus, these guys clearly had the town wired. So I I figured they just I went guess. Yeah. But it was like you get these known felons and it's like, yeah, we want the body and the bike. And it's like then they go and burn them. And it's like, yeah, that's just like normal, normal stuff. I'm that. I've never I've never seen a documentary in biker gangs that actually show them actually burning bodies on their bikes. But hey, it's maybe a son of anarchies missed something. Do you think somebody was a Star Wars fan and just like recently rewatched Return of the Jedi and said, "Yeah, we need to give him the Vader ending." You know, <laughs> I mean, maybe that was it, or or maybe. or someone was a big Conan the Barbarian fan and. <laughs> We gave him the girlfriend ending from Conan the Barbarian. Not the Jason Momoa crappy one, by the way. The good Arnold one. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I think it just ties into the whole... Because um, they make a lot of references to like Valhalla and, mm-hmm. and being pagans and that kind of thing. So maybe that's just where that comes from. It's part of their... You know the the white trash grab bag of. Uh, <laughs> well, now we know where uh, George Miller got the idea for Mad Max Fury Road from. So, I just want to know where the do for was in this movie because he could have done a better end song than what we get. So that's for sure. Well, so. we, we we get to like them now, you know, with like Boz being captured and like you know they they strap like dynamite to him and they're gonna drop him in the courthouse. I just this this biker gang. I mean, we haven't really brought it up, but they're like connected. I mean, yes. they're able to get like military helicopters and all this like. Well, look, they, military they got truckers on their the side, man. That they, they got, they got teamsters. They they get whatever the heck they want. I, I think that's Jimmy, exactly ha- Jimmy Hoffa giving them a helicopter. Well, they, awesome. they also go they and infiltrate the mob at one point. Like they have a whole mob thing going. We forgot about the mob subplot. Oh yeah, there's also yeah the mobs also involved in this, but I didn't think they were on the the biker side. So I think much after they were the just rest- a deal to sell that PCP. I think that's what it was. It was like a, a, a mutual. It was aliens and and or it was predators and you know people getting together to fight the aliens. It was the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. I just I, I took it. It was like the Godfather. It's like the five families coming together. So not so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got to think about every single movie reference we've dropped so far, from Godfather to Connoisseur. You only can get that here, folks. There's no, I guarantee you, we are the only podcast, one, reviewing this movie the week we release it, and talking about the variety of other ones that we have throughout the show. I I am safe in saying No, I'm going to go a step further and say we're the only people in existence that have ever brought up Carnosaur and The Godfather in a single sentence. So, that just... Mark it down. <laughs> You're probably right. So, okay. So the wicked elaborate way to get rid of Joe, of course, doesn't work because he becomes the incredible Hulk and breaks out of the ropes that he's got and takes over the chopper. And I'm like, when did an Alabama detective learn how to fly a helicopter? Did they drop a line that like he had been in Nam or something that I missed too? No, yeah. the, uh, AWOL's still driving it. AWOL's still flying the helicopter. Joe's just got him by the neck. But my question is, how did he know which one of those lines was the hydraulic line to rip open and spray 
the goo in the guy's face. Maybe the detective pay grade wasn't that great, and he spent a little time in the guard on the weekends, maybe. Not knocking guardsmen. I'm just saying maybe that's where he got the training. I don't know. I mean, maybe his dad was a helicopter pilot. His grandfather. You know, he talked about his grandfather, so maybe it was his grandfather. I don't know. Maybe his grandfather was a tank, and that's why he looks like Brian Bosworth. <laughs> He's, I just, I, I just never knew that like fuel and hydraulic lines are just like easily accessible inside the cab of a helicopter. Go- but government, you know, this is where made stuff, man. It's all done on the cheap. We know, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, now, now you get the little star going across the screen, going the more you know. So. <laughs> there, there you go. See again, edutainment. That's what we are here. So, <laughs> but we get the show down at the courthouse, and Ron, I'm going to kick this to you because this, this, I did think to myself, I was like. Ron has got to be in like action movie heaven for all of the bodies hitting the floor and the bullets flying around this marble courthouse. This is this is like Golden Globus moment for you. This is almost as good as Invasion USA style attacks. Yeah, it's almost as good as the mall scene in Invasion USA. Uh, the only thing holding it back is that um, it's a little too complicated. Like they clearly had some planning. They they planned this out a little bit more. Then I think that you know Golden Globus actually would have, um, and they had a, a more money, enough money to crash a motorcycle through every possible picture window in the the entire building. But yeah, it, it's it's a very complicated plot that they're going to do to, do to invade this courthouse. Lance Hendrickson just walks in uh, dressed like a priest and uses his uh, rosary beads as his cover for his machine gun. Uh, you've got. One guy who's driving a truck that he's going to be the he's going to crash into the building, I think, and jump out. Yep. Uh, then you've got all the bikers who are going to roar out and apparently drive through every window and up every flight of stairs. And then they're going to murder the entire courtroom and they're going to hold a bunch of other people hostage. And somehow that helicopter is supposed to swoop in and pick uh, uh, chains up, I think. Maybe all of them, but at least specifically chains. Yeah, that seems like a, a plot to get me out of here, not the rest of you guys. That's what that seems like. Now, see, I thought it was originally supposed to be all of them because they were going to land that helicopter on the roof, and the bikers were just going to like get in. Well, they they all just going to hang. I off don't the know side. how they would have gotten all those bikers in there, and I don't know if they would have just abandoned their motorcycles. Maybe that's what the uh, the big rig was for, and they were going to just pull the motorcycles into the back of it and. You know, haul away. helicopter goes one way, the rig goes the other way, uh, you know, piles of dead Alabama Supreme, Mississippi Supreme Court justices, you know, at each doorway. If only John Grisham could have written the scene. So <laughs> it's, it's both incredibly well thought out and very poorly thought out at the same time. Right. Which is, I want to say is a feat. That's hard to maintain both of those things in the same moment. Lance Hendrickson, uh, grabs a guy by the back of the neck and and shoots through him with a machine gun. Yeah, and a machine gun not firing like really high powered ammunition either. So those bullets like have no like standard trajectory coming out of that dude. He might as well have just turned around and shot the gun backwards. Well, I think he did actually. So yeah, probably. <laughs> and then and then he just. I don't know. We, we do. I want to say though, we do get some wicked, elaborate gun porn in this movie. Like, there's some really like custom job. You know, these are not fake either. These are real weapons. The Internet Movie Firearms Database will list them all out for you if you're into that kind of thing, folks. I, I mean, really, it's 
it's impressive the amount of weapons that are in this uh, film that they roll out. And I think Joe gets some pretty pretty wicked looking ones himself. Yeah, he's got like a looks like a compact shotgun. Yeah. When um, one of the bikers whose name escapes me is like him and ice are him and chains are trying to get away and he's the only thing stopping them. And the guy roars after him on his motorcycle mm-hmm. and he's got like a little compact tactical shotgun that he pulls out of hammer space somewhere and just lays waste to the guy. And then the guy goes flying through the window. Unless I'm conflating two separate motorcycle uh, you're, shooting murders. You're not. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly I know. I, I remember that as well. It's there's so many, shooting deaths in this final sequence it is hard to keep them clear though you're right so literally like a hundred people murder or a hundred people get murdered yeah it's gotta be and he kills like 12 supreme court justices (laughs) he kills at least half a dozen people just randomly in the courtroom he shoots that one guy um gut gets murdered by his partner uh, his buddy the other six pack Mm -hmm. um a bunch of like county mounties just start showing up in doorways to get murdered. Like people literally <laughs> jump in the frame and just fall backwards yeah. riddled with bullets. If only Sheriff Buford T. Justice could have rolled through <laughs> and done a cameo. Jackie was still no, Jackie was gone by ninety one, so never mind. So but Jerry Reed wasn't doing anything, so we could have got him. But Oh well. So <laughs> I do like the showdown between Boz and Chains only for the fact that it doesn't last very long because no one on earth would have believed that Henriksen could have put up a fight against this guy. And I'm glad they don't try to sell us on that idea in any form at all. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think works best about that whole scene is that it's very economical. Could have also been that they were out of money and near the end of the shoot. I'm not sure, but it works for the film, for the narrative, I'm saying. I agree. Nick, you're being awful quiet over there. Where were you on the this blowout ending? I'm still trying to put my words together right now with this entire ending scene, so you'll have to excuse me, but like between the uh, helicopter, the motorcycle taking out the helicopter with, again, random explosion, and then, you know, the showdown between Lance Hendrickson and the Boz, uh, I don't know. I guess there was some symmetry here where the Boz has got Lance Hendrickson dead to rights. He puts the gun to his head and it's empty, kind of like, you know, kind of going back to the, you know, a couple of the scenes earlier where Lance Hendrickson did that to the Boz. But of course, we have to end this movie the exact same fucking way as Die Hard <laughs> with, okay, like Lance Hendrickson's all, you know, taken care of, subdued, gets a gun. Gonna shoot the Boz just like the way that uh, the Fabio guy in Die Hard is gonna shoot Bruce Willis, <laughs> and then you get the guy from Family Matters, you know, Steve Urkel, and he's no, not, not Urkel. With the, it's 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 da- it's the it's dad. The same, it's it's all the same, but uh, <laughs> they, he ends up shooting him. And it's like, oh my god, he finally pulled out his gun and shot him, and just the same way this like Lance or whatever the hell his name is, Lance, you know, is you know has a momentary lapse in being a pussy and shoots the guy dead so yeah it's 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 amazing guys it's, that, it's absolutely amazing and it's a great setup for the sequel that we should have gotten and never did blood from a stone well yeah. th- th- if, if they would come and say nick you got to write a sequel to this movie 
that wimpy cop turns into the bad guy that his one little taste of blood drives him nuts and he ends up taking over the brotherhood. I just want you to know that like momentary lapse of being a pussy sounds like a, a, a rock album from the eighties that never got released by like Watts. It was actually, that was the title of wingers third album. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Ironically, though, it was all ballads. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Who also supplies the soundtrack to Carnosaur 3. <laughs> I should have done the end song to this, but no. So, <laughs> well, guys, I think we're certainly at the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts and popcorn ratings. So <laughs> I shudder to ask, what are yours for Stone Cold, Ron? Oh, um... What's our largest popcorn? Extra large. Extra large popcorn, then. <laughs> with extra butter, with uh, chocolate chips, uh, with, uh, I don't know, any possible positive addition you could add to it. This movie is stupid. <laughs> this movie is stone stupid. But it's also, the that's the best thing about it. It is the Dumbest, most swaggering 1980s movie made in 1991. It's just incredible to behold. And you've got Lance Hendrickson, like, wheeze laughing. You've got William Forsythe bugging his eyes out. You've got Brian Bosworth struggling to remember his lines. And you've got, like, the most overworked pneumatic catapult in movie history <laughs> launching stuntmen left and right. It's amazing. All right, Nick, you have to follow that. Oh, I will. And unfortunately for a movie like this, you cannot go with a standard small, medium, large, extra large popcorn rating, unfortunately. So I'm going with a Boz size popcorn, <laughs> which means that it's, you know what, somewhat like impressive at first, but then you realize the bottom's really weak and all the popcorn comes falling out right away. So, yeah, it's 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 a fucking terrible movie from beginning to end i mean it really is but as ron said i mean it's it's watchable it it really is i mean you got you got a lot of naked women in the beginning of this movie you got a lot of gunplay you got lance henriksen being his most lizard-like person i've ever seen since v the series in the early 90s you got boz who it just you know that hairstyle is fantastic i mean it's it's amazing. I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus would be jealous of that mullet. It's a power but, uh, mullet. That's what it is. A power it is. Mullet. It is, man. It, yeah. is, it is. It is spectacular from beginning to end. But um, yeah, this movie is shit. <laughs> but it's also like, like the. It's like a satisfying I mean, one. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it is. I mean, it is. It's like a satisfying shit. I mean, it's like when you had some really bad Chinese food and you're just relieved after the words after after you go. That is this movie. So yeah, it's. It's I, I, that. That's my review. So Jay, you go. So. The, the Criterion box should have. It's like when you have good Chinese food, and then the, the after. Nick Pablocki continues play. <laughs> only yeah. here, people. Only here. Only here. I don't know how to follow that, guys. Um, you both have admitted what I think about this movie. It's it's complete and utter trash, but. It is fun getting there, and it actually has stuff in it that, in the hands of maybe a more competent crew, set of actors, and maybe a different time, could have been a could be more than what it is. But as it is, it's it's pretty watchable, and it goes down pretty easy. So 
I can't trash it, but I can't give it a high rating. Like I, I don't want to be highfalutin because certainly I'm not on this show. I'm clearly I'm not with the stuff I've watched and 80 things I've referenced tonight. But I can't give this a hard like big popcorn. I, I'll say you know it should be a small popcorn, but there's enough that it's probably a good medium and it goes down pretty easy. So I'll I'll go with medium on it. And I don't know that it's better than Invasion USA for me, though, Ron. Like, that to me is, like, pinnacle of 80s-style action movies. That that almost takes the cake, but... Of course, we've said this... I think Invasion USA tried too hard to, like, not be stupid. <laughs> I, that's only because Chuck doesn't say anything in it, except rust off its time. <laughs> If they'd oh, given him lines, yeah. then that might, yeah. But you know what? You're right. So okay. Well, I think we've had a we've had a good time talking about this one. That's for sure. So and we teased a lot of stuff that we may or may not ever review. I fear now that we may review some of it uh, in the future. But of course, if you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, you can always get the latest thing that we come out with. We're about every other week. That's that's our average, unless we're doing a big series or something. But lots of cool stuff that we've already done this year. I mean, we've done Jaws. We've done and uh, some, you know, Nick and I did uh, a, a real neat uh, drama called Closer. Uh, we've been doing some Kubrick movies, so lots of cool stuff hanging around out there, and more to come down the line as well. And I mean, look, folks, you, you've got the Carnosaur series to look forward to, apparently, and who knows what else we'll come up with. So stay tuned here on Film Shirt from Continuous Play for all the more fun. Till next time, for Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening. And, and Nick, thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. <laughs>